If you listened last week, and I hope you did, this is the second part of a romp through Gavin Wall's life. The, the fucking glory and the blood and guts, all the things that went wrong. And we just finished off last week talking about the perfect life that I had, a doting wife. I uh, hope, hope it doesn't condescend my wife in any way, but someone who loved me unconditionally. A great life, great job, lots of money, lots of property, lots of assets, lots of everything. And it wasn't enough. And you'll hear in this episode why my desire to keep doing property and to keep that little business, that little entrepreneurial streak in me, even when I was having success as a barrister, my desire to keep that was my ultimate uh, downfall in terms of my financial wealth. But that next stage of my journey actually formed me as a person. And you hear all about that in this second part. I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you on the other side. I'm a man. Did you keep on with the, the side hustles at the same time? So yeah, so I was up to 50 houses. Mm-hmm. So I per- own, personally owned 50 houses. What happened was in 2006, so I had gone, maybe you know Pete, I'd gone from double, gi- du- double digit yields mm-hmm. to the, I was getting outbid all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, people were buying stuff 3 4% yields. And I was going, this just doesn't work. I've been doing this. I'm capital repayment. I'd always been capital repayment for over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, side hustles had gone really well. You know, I was a very wealthy guy. And um, in 2006, I was getting outbid by, this is no slight on hairdressers, but I'm just using mm-hmm. people who'd never been in property. Yeah. The bank was saying, do you want 100 grand to buy a house? Self-cert. Do you know, self-cert, off you go. I was getting outbid. And I could not face, I literally could not face giving up the business side of, so I had the law, mm-hmm. which was now funding all this. I couldn't face giving up the business side because that's, it was that hankering to do business. Mm-hmm. So in 2006, I was actually the person briefing Jamie Delarge. I don't know if I've ever told you. So he was going mm-hmm. doing his news reports about there's a market crash. Mm-hmm. I was meeting Jamie and telling him 25% crash coming. Absolute certainty. There's no doubt in my mind there's a 25%. Whereas a very, very, I'll not even say his name, a very, very famous Lizder, mm-hmm. well-known, still go on Lisburn Road. He said on the TV, 40% uplift coming. <laughs> I contacted Jamie. I said, there's a 25% crash. I ain't getting outbid by people who do not know what they're doing. There's no way they can make this work. Mm. But what I did, my mistake in 2006, I said, I need to get back in the chain earlier to feed properties to these Egypts. So I bought four bits of land. I became the biggest Egypt of the lot in 2006, four Mm. bits of land. I got my planning, all of that through, but my mistake, a couple of mistakes, signed personal guarantees, Mm. 14, day demand loans. Oh. My wife somehow ended up as a guarantor on one of them. Jesus, I don't know why. And she's an accountant. She's, I don't know how that happened. And I was in partnership on one of those bits of land okay. with people who um, didn't have the same um, fair-minded approach, I would say, the business that I had. And that really cost me because it was a limited liability partnership and I could not actually get out of it. Mm. even though I was wanting to buy them out mm. I said no so I had four bits of land that I got planning on but that land went um, lost 90% of its value 
It had planning. Yeah, it had planning. And still lost 90% of its value. Wow. I, it didn't, none of it had planning when I did it, but yeah. I got planning on all of it. It's still down. Still 90%. And then one of the local banks served me with a demand notice. So I then lost everything. Absolutely everything, including my family home. Um, we lost every single thing over a period of a couple of years. Um, we lost every single thing. Now, at that stage, I had given up the, my barrister job mm-hmm. to start a small business. I walked away from, so we jumped, jumped on. I, I, I walked away then from the barrister's career, mm-hmm. from the career as a barrister. Um, before the crash, 2007-2008, um, and set up a small filling station. So tiniest, tiny, tiny, tiny petrol filling station. So I walked away from the, my wife's only just getting over that now. I walked away from that, but then the crash came. Mm. And my wife and my accountant, my accountant's her sister, they begged me to go back to being a barrister because I could have earned the money to plug the gaps. Mm-hmm. But I had done my bit in law. I knew I'd got as successful as my dad or felt. Sure. I was never going back to law, no way. So um, I said, I'm going to do the most entrepreneurial, I'll never forget it. I said, I'm going to do the most entrepreneurial thing I'll ever do. And you're just going to have to trust me. I'm not going back to law. And I can get us back. So everything was coming down around us. I can get us back to where we were. It'll take me seven years. And you got to trust me. And here's the plan. This is how I'm going to do it but we're going to lose everything. And we lived, my wife, my first child had just been born then, and we lived, and then my second child, and then my third child, we had three and two and a half years. We lived for five years, so we lost everything, including our family home. And we lived in my sister-in-law's back bedroom for five years. Mm. My wife and three kids and me. Whilst I put in the plan, my seven year plan, to try and build us back up. What age were you then? So I was about four, so <coughs> about 40 mm-hmm. when we were, when we lost absolutely everything. So 36, 37, you left the, the bar, yeah. Bar. Three years ish. Yeah. I just started um, work building a business mm. and then, but not earning, you know, anywhere near the money from the bar at that stage. Mm. Started to lose everything. They then said, you have to go back to the bar. I said, no, uh, that's, I'm not going back again. I probably shouldn't have gone from Slizder to Barrister, but it was still a good experience. Mm. And I got that whole thing about my dad in the system. I says, I'm not lost, lost done. Mm. I says, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. That's what's, that's what's been in there all this time waiting to get out from that when I had the opportunity to do law or business studies. Um, I'm not saying you have to do business studies to become an entrepreneur, but mm. the, the itch was there to find out. I wanted to go to College of Biz mm. at 16. Sure. Um, so I said, no, that's, I'm, I'm in business. That's where I'm meant to be. I, mm. feel, I feel I've got something to offer. Why, why seven years? I just, I mapped it out. Yeah. And I was mapping out to get back to where we sort of were. What was your reference point, though? 
Did you have one? Yeah, I did. I, I wrote it all down. I sent it in an email to a friend. This was before I had social media to keep me accountable. <laughs> <laughs> I actually emailed the plan to a friend in uh, Munich in Germany. Right. So actually the 16-year plan. And the 16-year plan is almost identical to what I mapped out. Hmm. Yeah, I sent him a 16-year plan, but seven years of that was total uh, another basically sacrifice. It was seven years of sacrifice, I call it. Your 16-year plan's coming up shortly now. Yeah. So I'm into the this the stage now, we're on the venture capital, but that this stage was actually meant to be a trade. I was building a trading platform. Okay. The trading shares and different things. Mm-hmm. But it's actually, it turns out, it's become a, a venture capital side. That's the only difference actually in the 16-year plan. Mm. As it's going on. So um, the one thing I should just say on the dad is that I look back, because I want to be fair about this, I I look back on that and what I realise, although I've never spoken to him about it, what I've realised, or this is what I've taken out of it, is that he started off this firm, Donnelly and Wall, Mm. with Paddy Donnelly. And he obviously, he took early retirement then he was retired two years later from he had that conversation with me at 57 so he retired at 57 from a business that was paying him a really good money so what i've realized is that he was not enjoying it okay this is what i believe this took me this is literally only a couple of years ago i realized this Mm -hmm. because i go over it regularly and he obviously was not enjoying his job because he retired two years later and he didn't want me to come into a place that he wasn't enjoying Okay. That's what I believe now mm. um, actually happened. Mm-hmm. And he just doesn't have the, the vocabulary or the emotional piece um, to be able to explain that to me because mm. he's old school. So that, that's what I actually believe happened now. And actually, you know, I actually got a wee tingle up the back of my neck. He was actually trying to do me a massive favour, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. wasn't able to let me know because yeah. I probably wouldn't have understood anyway. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, do you have any other inkling in terms of what his thought process was? Yeah, no, that, I'm, I'm pretty confident. He said to himself, I'm not enjoying this. Okay. Um, this. This isn't for me. I'm going to retire and I don't want to bring my son into it mm. because I'll be bringing him into somewhere that I think that he won't enjoy. Mm. Wow. And he was, doing me a, he was trying to do me a favour because um, he, he is a he's good, good guy. Mm. Um, I couldn't see it at the time, so I immediately thought somebody's taken away my life. Yeah. Um, and it did spur me on. Yeah. Ultimately, but that's that's what I think mm. happened. I might ha- I might have that conversation. So he's eighty one now, and he's still going strong. And uh, I'll maybe have that conversation with him one day. Mm. How do you think your parenting style has changed from? I've learned a lot. My parenting style is really based upon so I've I look back at mine and I feel my dad was so old school mm-hmm. so it's it's not the touchy failure and anything like that whereas I'm you know you, you fill the void as it were um, I want to have my my um, relationship like I work really hard so I have less time than some other parents might have sure. but that time the energy that I put into that time and the love and the connectedness mm-hmm is um, really important to me because I want to have the social capital to be able to say if they are going off the rails like I have done at times in my life to be able to have a, a conversation mm. um, uh, and they will listen now 
like when they get the ten teenagers, maybe this is just a pipe dream. Mm-hmm. But my dream is that I will have enough social capital in them that I can help them. Sure. Whereas my dad probably didn't have that social capital with me. Because mm. um, that bond hadn't been built. Okay. Um, to be able to help me when I maybe needed it. Hmm. Interesting. If you, I mean, it's subjective, but if the second choice had to come in and straight into business, mm-hmm. do you have any perception of? Ah, oh, God knows. No, do you know what? I actually also think I was pretty immature person. Sure. Um. So, um. Sorry, Andrew's just around. Oh, I actually think, uh, I look back and I say I was pretty immature. Okay. Right up until my late 30s. Do you okay. know what? Do you know the only thing that probably brought me maturity was losing everything? I actually think I was immature. I just think I was really immature mm. uh, in a lot of ways. And the maturity has actually come to me through gratitude. I don't think I had gratitude. I've thought about this quite a bit. Mm. don't think I had the gratitude about the people. I don't know why, but um, I do have it now. Sure. Um, so as for if I'd gone straight into business, as I said, I'd have been very successful and then I'd have lost it all. Mm. Wow. I'd probably follow the similar sort of cycle to what I did. Yeah, yeah. Did I do. Um, so I, um, the fact that I lost all, some people will just put that down to a market crash. Sure. Right. But I accept, I accept my responsibility mm. pretty quickly and said I was responsible for losing everything. It wasn't the market. Mm. So actually, because I took that approach, I gave the banks here, have everything, tied it up on a nice package for them. There you go. And I was actually back and backed in the market by a bank within two years of losing everything. Wow, okay. Now, I reckon I was the first person to get finance after the crash. Wow. Because I said, here you go. This is my fault, not your fault. You didn't make me sign anything. Um, you may have been pumping the market that made me take sure. a different course. Sure. But nobody forced me to sign anything. Mm-hmm. Um, here it all is. Take it all back nicely packaged. And because I took that responsibility, that was me maturing and growing up. Mm. I was actually back and, and banked in the marketplace in two years. Probably the first after the crash year. Mm. I can't help but draw a comparison from your saying in your, your childhood, you know, mm-hmm. the excesses of Christmas and everything else mm-hmm. and almost downplaying it and, and pushing it almost away. Mm-hmm. And almost then this sort of moment of leveling the field. Oh, well, well it's, that's a good point because if you take, for instance, um, the, our own home, mm-hmm. right? So our first child had just been born, mm-hmm. okay? So we were entitled to stay in that house, a nice big house with a big garden with mm-hmm. five bedroom house in the Malone Road, right? We were entitled to stay there until she was 18, at which stage the market would have recovered anyway, and then you do a deal with the bank, okay? Sure. And we had a tracker mortgage, half a percent over base, Wow. right? And the base rate had dropped to half a percent. Mm. So our tracker was one, our mortgage was 1% okay. and wasn't going to go anywhere anytime soon. So our mortgage was less than you could rent a house for. Mm. Right, we had the best deal in the world and nobody was able to take it off us. I told the bank, take it back. Do you know what? I don't want it, just take it. I don't want to feel beholden to anybody. Mm. Have that and 
looking back on that, that's, that was a crazy thing to do. Absolute lunacy. And we lived for five years then with my sister-in-law in her back bedroom. But it was the right thing for me for whatever reason. I just wanted to clear those decks. And I used it as part of the narrative to get that back in two years later. Sure. I says, look, I had a flipping bank. They were getting brutalized by that mortgage product mm-hmm. because they were borrowing a lot higher than half percent over base. Mm-hmm. I said, I did. I said, there you go to the bank, take that back. So what was the thought process there? I mean, the seeds of a plan were obviously kicking in. Yeah, well, I had a seven year plan <clears throat> and that was it. I just didn't. Do you know what? I, I felt you know, you talk about um, a wee bit of self-flagellation. I, I felt I had to feel the pain. Mm. And if there are a lot of other people I know, right, mm. who had been through similar stuff and um, they still sat in a big house and all the rest of it and pretended mm. that nothing was going on. And drink. Luckily, I had given up alcohol by 37. Mm. Um, that, was, that was a lucky one, actually. So they ignored a lot of what was going on around them. Mm. Um, and some of them still in denial to this day. Some still haven't met the the reaper, as it were, on that. Mm-hmm. Whereas I said, you know what? I backed myself. I said, M- my rise and my success wasn't luck. Mm. It wasn't to do with an inflated market mm-hmm. because I was in the market long before it got inflated. Mm-hmm. Um, my ability to see an opportunity or to, to make money, I've been doing it all my life. I'll do that again. Sure. Um, but I just want to, I don't want anybody to, Say I've got something I shouldn't have. Mm. I'll take that back. What would that mean? Someone mm-hmm. saying you get something. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I have this. Uh, there's another thing. It's, it's a wee weird thing is that, um, for instance, my wife would sometimes talk about doing a lottery and I say, you can't do the lottery. What have we won? And <laughs> 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 it's a bit weird because mm. she said, ah, great, more holidays. And I'm saying, no, no, but that would ruin, that would ruin mm. the whole thing. Because then somebody would be able to say, I don't know why, I don't know why this works. Some people would say, oh, you got it easy. I think maybe whenever we, whenever we used to arrive up to school in, in my dad's car, my dad, mm. the car we arrived up to school and there were only two of them in the whole of Northern Ireland. And we used to rock up in this car and it was, in one way it was lovely but another way it was sure. Jesus Christ <laughs> this is too much mm. and um, so uh, I like to be able to say I want to be able to say everything that I have created with the support of my wife and family has been created by us mm. rather than has come from somebody else or some other bank or whatever it might be don't know why that's important but do you believe in fate? um Bizarrely, when when you ask that question, the first thing that pops into my head is, I needed to to, to marry a certain type of woman mm-hmm. who is confident in her own self okay. and is prepared to be married to a fucking lunatic, <laughs> right? Um, I probably was going to have to be a country woman. <laughs> it all sounds different, putting people in Belfast and boxes or what. Mm-hmm. Well, so funny when I was twenty seven, the first week I started trying to give up drink at twenty seven. Mm. To bring a more sense, you know, more focused, sensible. And the first weekend, I tried to give up drink, or did get, I gave it up for a weekend? First time ever at twenty-seven, mm. I met my wife um, in a bar, uh, and I was sober. Now, if I had met her any other weekend in the previous ten years, she had laughed at me. Mm. But because I had, that was the weekend. And when I, when I met her, it wasn't a love at first sight thing, but it was more. Uh, she, I think she could handle me. 
if you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, and I ended up marrying her. So that was from 27, we're now 23 years on, mm-hmm. married a few years later. So there, that was that was a fate one. Mm. Because remember, if you but if you listen to so 50 houses, but they've barred, blah, 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 all of this stuff. Mm. Not that any of that mattered to her. See, that's another important thing. She didn't give a damn about that. So we had our first child. So we went to that to absolutely nothing. Sister-in-law's back bedroom for five years. Mm. Not one word of criticism. When I walked in and said, I'm not going back to being a barrister. This is the most ordinary thing. Any woman with any sense would have said, you know what? I've had enough of you. Sure. I'm away. Mm. So that was definitely a fate one. Mm. Because without that support, then I wouldn't have been able to create the businesses and the opportunities and the inspiration for all the other people. Mm. Um, but for fate, you know what? I'm a big believer in reality, I, well, I had to give up drink that weekend. Why did you have to? Because I just, my life, I had to get my life on track. Now, mm. it took me 10 years to give it up totally. Mm. And interestingly, I gave it up just before the wheels came off everything. And I believe if I hadn't have managed to keep, remember said about me being a survivor? Mm. If I hadn't have given that drink up that time, mm. I wouldn't have got through the, the, the crash stuff. It have been too painful. So there's a wee survivor bit in me, but mm. yes and fate, to get back to your question, yes and fate, but you got to do the stuff, you got to do the things yourself, it's nothing's going to come to you. you got to do the work, you got to put the effort in, you got to be a good parent, mm. you got to be a great employer, you got to be a good leader. Um, you got to see the opportunity. you got to take responsibility for whenever you fuck up, like I did whenever I lost everything. Mm. Um, all of those things together, good things will happen. you got to be grateful. And that's the biggest one I learned from losing all of the material stuff mm. was that people still supported me and still loved me. I found out about unconditional love um, during that period of time. Whenever your wife doesn't say boo to you and mm-hmm. you flip and turn their life, upside down you realize right i'm loved unconditionally and that freed me to actually i uh, love back unconditionally sure which i don't think i had up until then you come across as quite kinesthetic affair yeah 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 not to need to feel the feeling of success is yours oh look yeah you have to and that's maybe comes from all that dad stuff I talked about earlier on. Mm. So I, I, I want to be mine. But look, if I make a mess, mm. I'd be the first person to put my hand up mm. and say, I've made a mess. How do you, and how you feel, the way that you feel. People take shortcuts when they're starting to feel. Mm. Um, the way that you feel is important to how you'll come back. Sure. I'm curious, you have a 10-year cycle thing going on. There's a lot of tens. Yeah, a factor of tens, and I do. Well, that's a bizarre. It's a bizarre one because in the current um, thing, which is the the venture capital um, with Andrew Cuthbert, uh, the change be the change. Be, be the change. So I have committed ten years of my life to that. It's just when you. It's funny mm-hmm. you say that. You, so we've had discussions and we plan it out. Mm-hmm. And Andrew's a far uh, better planner than me, but. My, I do have a structure of a plan, and he really likes the plan mm. more so. But I said, right, ten years of my life. You've got ten years. 
and he always goes oh, a wee bit more a wee bit more and I said no 10 <laughs> there's 10 I said look we review it at 10 mm. and see you know, if we're having the success that we want to have sure. um, but maybe we'll iterate it and do something else go into philanthropic stuff if we're really really successful sure. uh, who knows but there's 10 years to create that 10 billion um, of value from 10 million um, acorn huh. so yeah, there there is a wee cycle. There's definitely a cycle. I know there's cycles of about, but normally about seven years before I get mm. bored, and then move on to something. There, there does it come across a cycle of the, almost the seven years, and then there's a three year almost. Either we three year finding out what's what's the next thing. Sort of verges between self destruction and then self recovery. It's like an arsonist firefighter. Yeah, yeah no, there, there definitely is. And I thought the next ten years was actually because it was going to be ten years was going to be um, the personal development and mm-hmm. um, speed mentor stuff that I do at my own podcast. And you know, hopefully, I've, I've made a good contribution to the ecosystem of entrepreneurship in Northern sure. Ireland. I was hundred percent convinced that mm-hmm. the ten, that was what the next ten years was going to be mm-hmm. until I met Andre, mm-hmm. and then we went off, and actually, that's parked. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was going to be a 10 year or something I was 100% sure it was going to be that mm. and then uh, uh, meeting um, Andrew Cuthbert I know we haven't talked about him earlier in the episode but uh, meeting a, a particular guy and I uh, was just fascinated by some of the sort of ideas he was coming up with sure. and we had very um, similar values even though our rapper as it were is very mm. very different mm. uh, most people who sort of don't know us well enough might think Oh, those two would never go together but actually mm. were a perfect uh, complement um, and then I said do you know what with the speed mentor and the mentorship stuff yeah that'd be good and I can add a lot of value but actually 10 years with Andrew might change the world sure. um, so that's so there is a 10 year cycle mm. that has started last summer in terms of finding the ballet I mean is it something mm. you do you think you were born with it yeah, this is this is a this is a weird one. I don't know whether other people get this. I think I've mentioned it recently in something, and that's going to sound really. I think other people do have it. I think I know Andrew has it. Um, you might have it yourself, Pete. But I always felt that there was something great to be achieved inside me. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether other people think this. I have only started sharing this recently. I always felt there was destined to do something spectacular mm-hmm. and it hasn't been done yet and I don't want to get to the wooden box and not have done it mm. I don't know whether other people have that I've always felt it right from a, a childhood Why do you, your language change your body language changes quite significantly almost almost afraid to say that I haven't say, really said it before I haven't really said it before because it makes you it makes you sound like you're an arsehole um, <laughs> I say it very openly so I'm not <laughs> yeah, I, well that's alright I didn't know whether other people said it but I, I always felt that there was um, something um, significant I didn't know what it was I, I always was a bit different from the other kids I wasn't really a team fo- you know all the kids mm. were playing team football I always kept myself separate I always felt there was something inside I mean maybe a bit different but maybe everybody feels that I don't know, but um, so I have I have always felt that, and hopefully mm. one day I'll prove it correct. But on the on the mentoring side, did you? How did you perceive that in others? I mean, yeah. Well, what I perceived in others was the stuff that I knew and that I had achieved and that I believed in, and the self improvement and mm-hmm. the journey I'd been on. That knowledge was really 
a strong foundation to help other people. Okay. So what I can say for definite is that every single one of us has the potential to be more. Mm. Every single one. I've been on a journey for 22 years and I still think there's loads more potential in me. Mm. And every single person that I have mentored has had more potential in them. And I'm a bit further down the track from most of them that, that I mentor. Mm. Um, so it's easy for me to see what it is that they need to do mm. and where where they need to improve and what they can do, both on the business side, because I've been in business and my experience across a whole lot of different sectors from law, property, trading business like spars, subways, managing people, and um, driving yourself, keeping mm. yourself accountable, goal setting, sacrifice setting, and gratitude now, which I've built in the last couple of years. Um, so that's, mm. I just plug that into people. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy. The, the, the outcomes that they can achieve from where they are Mm-hmm. are pretty incredible um, what gets somebody to jump up and take over the world and make a decision or whatever and the other person goes and switches on the TV so what's the difference do you know what about 80% of the world are consumers I've uh, boiled it down to a podcast on this and it was the more I've thought about it and I've used it actually with my children quite a bit at the minute so 80% of the world are consumers and 20% are the producers. Remember that 80-20 was talking mm-hmm. about civil service yeah, and yeah. it's a Pareto principle that applies yeah. to nearly everything. Um, so why are 20% producers and 80% consumers? I don't know, mm. but it's just the fact that that's the split. And the more you can produce for the 80%, sure. the greater your opportunity will be. Mm. And if you do it in a way that you're always adding more value, mm there'll be plenty of people who want to consume it and they go on your journey with you. Makes sense. So why they do that? Like some will do it because they had nothing and they want something. Some will do it because they've already been born into success so they've seen how it's done. Mm. Uh, some will have had a golden handshake from their father or mother or whatever. Um, some will just find it out of, you know, necessity. Mm. Maybe they lost a job and they had to become an entrepreneur it's something actually i've talked quite a bit to andrew about he's a big believer that a lot of it is necessity mm-hmm. so you lose something yeah, a few times i've lost stuff and actually mm-hmm. it's made me come back stronger every single time sure. do you do you feel like you're in alignment with yourself now yeah oh yeah big time big time is that a new thing or is that yeah it's, it's getting stronger and stronger okay um, I, I did a post recently as I look in the mirror I actually love the guy who looks back mm. with all his flaws with his good bits um, I understand that person mm. more than they ever did and um, what was the turning point? so part of the turning point was losing everything in terms of financial sense mm-hmm. that made me reassess about who I was about unconditional love stuff we've talked about um, I started getting gratitude in my life. I mm. talked before, there's a wee squirrel comes into this garden in the morning. It just wee tiny things like that. Sure. Just I'm lucky to have a garden. A squirrel come in that comes in at the same time every day. I'm lucky to have a wife who loved me and stuck by me when I lost everything. Um, I'm lucky to have um, three um, healthy children mm. who uh, enjoy their lives. Um, and then um, about I, four or five years ago I really started working on my own personal development okay. 
and that has taken me so my wife is pretty well developed person mm-hmm. right she needs to be women generally are yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she, she needs to be um to put up with me through personal development mm-hmm. chimp paradox was a big one for me yeah. chimp paradox and i actually saw a lot of my flaws as soon as i read that i went fuck that's me there's one at the start where i talk where um a man is waiting for somebody to go, I think it's to go to the cinema, or certainly my memory of my own one was mm. whenever I put it. And um, the the woman hasn't arrived on time and he's, you know, going like that and it's either like getting frustrated and all the rest of it. And then um, phone in, boy, I heard you there. And then she arrives 20 minutes late and she's off, like somebody got knocked down by a car and they had to use my phone to phone mm. an ambulance. And I had had an, a, an instance similar to that with my wife I went oh my god that's me I need to start working on myself and I had started working on myself and um, I have really worked really really hard on myself um, Stephen Covey um, mm-hmm. Seven Habits Seven Habits yeah um, that blew my mind absolutely blew my mind around parenting as much as anything mm-hmm. really absolutely blew my mind and um, I've worked and worked and got better and better at that stuff Mm. And until I actually believe it's going to sound bad, but I actually think I'm further developed than my wife now. I can actually see that. Oh, I know, I know, I know. But I have to tell the whole. <laughs> I have to tell the whole truth. Even you know, you've heard me say. I, I, I tell it no matter what. I actually mm. think I'm further developed than her mm. now. And I actually think that she might think it as well. She actually started reading a wee bit of Stephen Covey. <laughs> That's what told me that she was because some of the stuff with the kids, uh, meditation. Yeah. I've seen some stuff. I haven't meditated as well in 2019 as I did in 2018. Mm-hmm. But in 2018, some of the stuff started coming to me. The clarity from meditating. Mm-hmm. So I got a big breakthrough and a wee thing with my son and I couldn't find a way through it. The answer came mm-hmm. in, in the middle of a uh, meditation. Wow. I just bang. That I was putting my issue on to him. Mm-hmm. It was really weird one, and then it just cleared it. It just flipping, just cleared the system like an artery. Just the blood just, oh, and just after that, then the son started. My relationship with the son got off on a slightly different basis, and about two weeks later, he held my hand on the way into school, and he doesn't even do that with his mummy. She says, and I told her this was going to happen. I said, "Wait, you see this over the next couple of weeks? I've just had seen something." And that's when she said, what was that book you were reading? (laughs) Uh, um, So that's really, really powerful stuff. That's very special. Yeah. uh, um, But that's taking responsibility for your own shortcomings Mm. and saying, do you know what? I want to get better. And look, I'm very blessed. I have lots of people um, work for me. They're working away at the minute whilst we sit and have this nice chat, Mm -hmm. etc. And then I go off and flip and get into all sorts of stuff with Andrew Cuthbert and they're out in the wall group. Um, working in the spars and the subways and all the rest of it, I could say, do you know what? I've achieved it. Mm. But I say, do you know what? No, I've a long, long way to go, both personally and in my business, and I want to keep getting better mm. and better. You mentioned there a short while ago about being lucky mm-hmm. to have your wife and your kids and yeah. so on. Where does luck play in it for you? Yeah, you, you know, that's, I, I say that when... You know, comparison is a, is a, the thief um, of sort of joy. But I say that because I know, I, I believe, all right, so 
I didn't drink that weekend and met her. That's mm-hmm. I met her just at the right time. Yeah. Um, I've done the hard work. I gave up drink at 37. I wouldn't have got through the crash personally. Um, I don't believe without that. So I do the work just in time mm. to help myself. Um, I use the word blessed maybe sometimes rather than luck. It's probably not luck. I probably do actually maybe I push away the, the success a wee bit sometimes. Mm. Uh, maybe that's why I use luck. Maybe I don't like people thinking that I think that I have achieved it on my own. Mm. Or I just feel blessed. I don't know. I feel blessed. Mm. Who is there the significant people in your life? Um, so my wife, wife and my kids. Um, pretty close with my mum. Mm. Um, my brother and my sister, or my two brothers and sisters. But I would say the ones that have really been the bedrock are my wife and my kids. Mm. Um, over the last decade, mm. they've been the biggest influence on me. And hopefully me on them. Mm. Do you, I mean, what... What's your pattern? What drives you day to day? I mean, when's enough going to be enough? Is there enough? Is that the way you measure it? You see, it depends on what you're measuring. So, um, if you're measuring it in, so I can, I can tell you what the, the goal is. The, the goal is to have a, an impact worldwide. Right, the goal is to be the most successful um, entrepreneur in Northern Ireland. I'm perfectly happy to be number two to Andrew Cuthbert. <laughs> okay, um, but that's what the goal is. Now, what success? The success is the ability then to make a difference to mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. I am not money driven. I take one holiday. I took my first ever holiday for ten days last year. It's the first time ever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Andrew doesn't even take that. So it's not that I'm off now. When I was a barrister and it was more like a money thing or something like that, sure. um, I used to go on nice holidays, used to drive in a Porsche 911, all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now I drive a wee electric car um, and I'm happy with that. I don't have flash holidays, don't spend lots of money, etc. The difference is to actually be able to make a difference. Okay. Right? The ability to say, I've helped the ecosystem in Northern Ireland. I want Northern Ireland to be back like it was in the Industrial Revolution, building the ships. I know some of the big ones sank, but you know, <laughs> being at the head of the Industrial Revolution or Linenopolis as we used to be called, I want to help Northern Ireland get back to that sort of level. Mm. And I want to have a massive funeral. Right? I know I'll not be at it. Mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna do a podcast for okay. my funeral. I've just came to me when I was at a funeral recently. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a eulogy bit that somebody else does, I'm gonna do mm-hmm. my own. <laughs> so it's cocky, but um I, I want to have had made an impact to so many people mm. and to have helped change Northern Ireland for the better and to have driven so much value um into job creation, into intellectual property, you know, Andrew's the, the main one on that, but They've made such a difference mm. that there are loads of people saying, I want to make a difference. Sure. Is that ego? It might be, yeah. Yeah, if you if you really think about it. Mm. Yeah, there's ego in Ego there. can be good and bad. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not out Yeah, no, but it's for, if it's done for the right reasons, mm. um, there's definitely, and there was something, I was analysing something actually the other day, and I said, yeah, it was a recent business decision that I think I maybe got wrong. Okay. And I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And I said, you know what, that was ego. That made me get that wrong. So, 
Um, there's ego in there, yes. You have to be honest with yourself mm. and say if you want to create something, uh, even if it's not for yourself. So if you take Mother Teresa, I bet you there was a big ego. <laughs> but mm. the means to actually satisfy that, sure. maybe it's controversial, I don't know, but the means to satisfy that was actually to create so much good for a lot of other people mm. that made her feel good. Hmm. or the greatest leaders they must they must have there must be ego I think that drives that um, but there's different ways it can be good or good or bad hmm. if it's to create abundance for as many people as possible and um, the outcome is good even if there's a wee bit of ego in driving it on but That's I'm good uh, yeah. mm. mm. no no it's um so, whilst I accept that there's ego in there, I believe, or I hope anyway, you'll have to ask people that I help on their journey, mm. is that, you know, for instance, I genuinely say, I have people working for me, like Kieran Meehan, for instance, he is a better manager than I am. Mm. Like I try and employ, I have got better accountants, I try and employ and bring the best people I possibly can, and I give them their credit for doing the brilliant work that they do. I don't want to take the glory. Mm -hmm. If people say, look, there's a lot of stuff created, Gavin will help create it, that's great. Mm. But everybody has to do their bit. Sure. You know, and it's their achievement, not not mine. Mm. There probably is a bit of ego in there. All right, you've got me. (laughs) (laughs) Would you say you're, um, you understood? I'm understood. Are you? It's a question. Um, I don't know. What's your perception? I don't know. It's I. This is um, you're getting to some interesting questions here because um, my public persona. Your, your body language is I know, interesting. I know, I know. <laughs> and I see Andrew's just come into the building over there on the left because, <laughs> right? Okay, if you take my public persona and the speed mentor stuff, etc., right, mm-hmm. and larger than life, I am in a way, but that stuff, I build that stuff up, right? Sure. So that I can be a lightning rod for, if you listen to my podcast, I've got Walrus Island and I've got Dickhead Island, okay? <laughs> so I build that up and I become then the lightning rod for the people who don't want other people to have success, mm. right? And I'll take, I build, you know, and take me on because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to clear the decks for other people to start mm. believing in themselves. And I think if you look at the ecosystem, some of the stuff that's going on in Northern Ireland at the minute, there's definitely been room has been created by me saying, yeah, I'm the fucking ego, come and get me. Mm. And people attack me and that has let other people then say, well, Gavin's still standing after all that. Mm. Do you know what? Just because everybody doesn't like you or because your particular message um, doesn't fit the wee narrow sort of silos that, mm. that society says, well, Gavin's still standing at the end of all of that. Mm. You know, if you look at them, oh, this is ego, this is, I don't know, there's part ego, part. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at the avatars or people's profiles, pics or anything that's sort of Northern Ireland, you know, I've been doing that for quite a while now. And other people are now mm. able to express themselves um, in theirs, sort of just as an example, I did a hedge, you know, they feel confident enough. You look, go back a few years and you say, you know, we all have to be, you know, there's a picture from our mm. wedding or something like that. Um, there's all sorts of people are saying, do you know what? Mm. And 
Most of them haven't been mentored by me. I haven't received anything from them. I'm absolutely delighted to support them. Sure. And if there's flipping 100 gallon walls that I have to compete with, remember I said at school I was maybe afraid of competing mm. um, on that and I wanted to be the best person at exams who did no work rather mm. than being the best. I'll take it on. Now, now I'm a wee bit more confident in myself if I'll actually try and compete. Mm. But support at the same time. Perfect. So I think. I don't mm. Are you are you at your potential? Do you think? Oh, there's loads. There's loads more potential. Mm. I actually had um, imposter syndrome for the first time ever at the tail end of 2019. Mm. There's new stuff that we're doing on venture capital and startup is so outside my comfort zone. Mm. I also switched to vegan diet and didn't supplement with B12, which was really playing with my uh, mm. energy levels, but. I had a lot of imposter syndrome. The stuff I'm learning at the minute, mm. it's actually a pity that I'm not mentoring. Now, I'm going to be mentoring within the startups that we um, that we support within the change. Sure. But I have learned that the amount of stuff I've learned sort of in the last year um, from startups and from Andrew Cuthbert and from other people that I'm meeting. Um, in fact, if we go, a guy called John Napton um, down in Catalyst. Mm-hmm. He's, he's one of the guy, main guys down there. We have one of our startups is on us, and like you're going into those sessions, and you're just soaking it up like a sponge because you're mm-hmm. being exposed to new ideas about how you look at a, a business cycle or how you look at a business plan. Sure. So, in terms of potential, look, we're trying to raise ten million quid for the change. We want to create ten billion in ten years. I'm. I'm about that far on my journey mm. in comparison to what we're trying to achieve. So, no, loads more to come. Loads. Absolutely loads. Mm. If I thought I was at my potential mm. now, mm. there's no possibility I'll get to to that journey successfully. No possibility. Do you see yourself retiring? No. Oh, you die, you die mm. in the middle of a deal. Your best deal ever. <laughs> You're doing your, your best deal ever. My dad is hard at 57. Mm. Like, it's, that freaks, blows my mind. I feel mm. I'm only getting going. Uh, I was thinking the other day, we post coming, I think, about all the things that I've done since I was 45 for the first time. Mm. You know, um, definitely not retiring. No way. No way. You, you, you become, so I've done a lot of heavy lifting. So that's seven years sacrifice and all that stuff I've done in the wall group, building up our businesses, um, you know, from one spa store to second to third to fourth to, f- mm. to a subway to second, third, fourth, subways, Yogi Berry, all, the, all of that stuff that I did. Um, that was all heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. I tell you my theory, and mm-hmm. I, I got this from Andrew Cuthbert. It was a moment of clarity that I'll never, it was one that you've heard there were a few different po- points of clarity and I remembered in a wee coffee shop in Hollywood and Andrew says to me, it's all about creating value with the power of the mind. Mm. <laughs> it just went, that's, that's true. Mm. I've done a lot of heavy lifting. Sure. I'm not saying, but the lifting that you do with your mind creates more value than the physical stuff that you do out there in the world. And even though I was adding a lot of value to people's journeys, sure. actually sitting and taking the time to analyze a business, doing design sprints that Andrew would do, strategic um, design sprints, etc. Mm. That can actually take a business on six months. Mm. If you take a whole day, bring a couple of experts in, sit down, 
saying, right, where are we? A wee bit like I do with the mentoring. Sure. But in, in a, uh, a more structured way. Mm-hmm. So with that sort of knowledge on board, well, hopefully we can, mm. we can achieve what we've set out to achieve. I never got to experience your mentoring. Yes. Unfortunately, through logistics and one thing or another. Yeah, you came, you came to the... Um, uh, uh, develop a non-stoppable mindset event. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm sure you'll not forget when I came in. <laughs> so, it was certainly uh, the first of many. And actually, the lady that was sitting next to me was the lady um, Victoria. Oh um, uh, yeah, Vicky McMahon. Yes, Vicky McMahon. And even just seeing her, so uh, mm-hmm. obviously I'm, I'm sort of aware of yourself even yeah. from before then. But the Vicky I spoke to that night, mm-hmm. by pure coincidence, sitting mm-hmm. beside her. Mm-hmm. So even the Vicky today and the yeah. posts she's putting out, it's mm-hmm. it's. Unrecognizable, I think, is a, is a fair. Yeah. So funny, we're a year on from my first speed mentor retreat when I took a dozen, hmm. um, a dozen people looking for growth hmm. away for a weekend retreat. So it was actually January of last year was actually the first time I did that, and that was the start of my sort of really starting to scale up the mentorship side of it. Hmm. We took a dozen people. I'm not telling you, or I'm not joking you, the development of of those twelve people in the twelve hmm. months have all contacted me this January. It blew your mind. I said mm. the power. The power of that mm. is in- incredible. Vic- Diane Kapluski. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still mentoring um, Diane. Um, some of the stuff she said at Gorilla Goal mm. during that, and this is the power of this. The stuff for anybody who's watching or you know l- looking to be inspired. She said at Gorilla Goal during that um, uh, weekend, and I said that's not big enough. Mm-hmm. There's no way that can be cheap. I've been working on this for two years. Can't be a I said, that's because you're going about it all the wrong way. <sighs> it needs to be bigger. It can't be any bigger. This is the gorilla goal. This is the thing that changed my life. And it was to get hooked up with the number one person in the whole world in her space. She was about, I don't think she'll mind me saying this. I think she was about to fly to, because um, we've talked about it um, before, about to fly to Jaipur, actually. Mm. Anyway, but I'll cut it short. We delivered it in six days. She mm. said at that event, that weekend, it could not be done. She'd been working on it for two years. Mm. We did it in six days after the event. Her biggest goal she could think of was delivered. And she's gone on to amaze. She's absolutely unbelievable. She was an unbelievable person before she met me. Sure. She saw me spoke at an event the previous summer. Um, and then she signed, she was the last person to sign up to the um, Speed Mentor Retreat. Mm. She said, oh, flip, that's the guy I saw speaking. That would be really interesting. Mm. She just needed to, it was like a plug hole block with hair and all. She just needed somebody to, to dip in and lift out <laughs> the flipping hair. Do you know I what I mean? I don't know if she's going to thank you for that. Know, just to lift the hair. But do you mean, mm. all of it was there. Yeah. There's so many people, all of it was there. It's just somebody needs to give them the courage sometimes. Sure. Or just tweak it um, to let them go to the next level. Mm. Which is quite a skill. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely, a hundred percent, and I hope and believe that I won't regret this um, because I believe that I do have a pretty special skill at that. Mm. Um, just because I have a lot of empathy and I think a lot about emotion, etc. I say sometimes Andrew has the IQ, I have the EQ, mm-hmm. so I have a lot of that. 
Um, and hopefully that will be evidenced in our journey on the change mm. because I am leaving something, you know, and Andrew's got other massive things with two other people who are in the change with us as well who are, are brilliant people, Colin Hutchinson and Laura Bond. Um, but we're plugging our creative abilities and our structural and our drive into um, this venture capital stuff. Mm. And sometimes I do think... Uh, Maybe that was the one that I, I will regret or not doing, but I had two choices. Hmm. I'm going to change the world with Andrew. You, are you spiritual? I wish you didn't ask me that. Okay. I'm covering up. I, I, am, I, I am, I say spiritual, yes, I'll, I'll say spiritual, religion and stuff like that. It's a difficult thing to talk about in Northern Ireland, as you, as you know. And um, the, the, it's different. It's a different yeah, thing. So it's if I put it into perspective, it's, you mentioned emotional, yeah, and you mentioned energy, and you mentioned abundance, which are some yeah, key, I, I key am, words. and that that side of me has been has been getting stronger the last mm. um, couple of years. Yes, yeah, I would have said if you ask me, um, I've never been an atheist. I know there's a difference between spirituality uh, mm. and God, etc. But they are closely linked as well. So sure. I've never been. I've always been open. Uh, when I was a teenager, I actually used to go uh, to different churches. Okay, it's a weird thing that Andrew bizarrely has had done as well. So, um, uh, so we've two main faiths, sort of in Northern Ireland, as aware of that. I used to go to different churches just on different days of the week and just get a wee bit of spirituality. It's a wee bit of a weird thing, but um, so I've always had an interest mm. in what's out there. And what might be out there, um, or what's inside us, mm. um, and so yes, and that's getting stronger in the last few years. When are you when are you at your best? What's your peak performance or state that you get to? At the minute, it's interestingly at the minute it's a wee bit crimped okay. or. It certainly was when I was going through the, the piece with no B12 and then just because there's so much the intensity that we're under at the minute. Mm. I do love trying to show other people what they can achieve, but the intensity of what we're doing at the minute, because it's all so new to me, mm -hmm. is probably I'm not at my best at the minute. Mm -hmm. It's coming back a wee bit better. Okay. Okay. Um, at the minute, I'm, I'm not at my best, I don't think, because the load that we have to find all these startups, mm. to get the funds in place, to um, back them, to get the FCA compliance, mm. to try and drill a friggin' hole through the roadblock that Northern Ireland sometimes is around new um, ways to do things. Sure. Now, in Northern Ireland, we don't do it this way. <laughs> well, that's what our problem is. Mm. Um, so all of that, the intensity to deliver all of that mm. is pretty heavy burden at the minute. Sure. So I'm not just at my best at the minute, mm. but Andrew's dragging me through it. Um, and whenever we get over some of these hurdles and we're up and running, mm. the, the best of me will be back. But the ability to never give up mm. and to dig in, sure. even when I was getting my um, imposter syndrome at the end of last year, you know, that's a strong... Sure. Bit of me, but I like to be able to show people, what, you know, mm. our evidence leadership, and I don't know that I have enough of that in me at the minute because of the pressures. But even that that inversion of energy, mm -hmm. 
is quite a quite a strength I would put mm-hmm. across and say mm-hmm. um, you know to take something that is negative and you, you inferred on it slightly earlier but to take a negative energy and to actually to use it to your yeah I have a podcast episode called um, Everything is Energy mm. and um, it's how you then transmute sort of that energy mm. so you can be getting a lot of negative energy and if you know how to work things so it's just taking like a customer complaint even mm. and this energy boom you know I mean I, I know from running spa stores mm. that no customer will ever go out of that shop unsatisfied because mm. no matter what energy they come in with and I preach this for people that if they ever want to get in like no matter what energy they come in with if you've the if you've the ability to just change that mm-hmm. um, or even take your own negative energy and actually turn it positive such that it's just to never give up so let's let's take an example now this is the one on a customer if you're a negative customer mm. and but if you've always just given it Okay, what can I do for you, etc., etc. They'll always go away happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I had thought of a wee example there f- um, for you. Um, that's just gone right out of my head. Right, so this, so if you're under pressure, okay, mm-hmm. and you're feeling negative, right, I have that down to such a T that I know that that is just a test, mm-hmm. right, and that to get through that that day when you mightn't be at your best, when you're feeling under pressure, if you just get to the next day, sure. you have a sleep on it, you put a little bit in place, mm. you never give up, the next day it feels like you've achieved something mm. and you've turned that negative energy from the day before into positive energy the next day. don't know if I've explained that very well, but mm. um, it's all energy and it's, it's how you then change it from negative to positive. Wow. So you're on a trajectory that you're... So I've been going through tough stuff, I, yeah, yeah, and I have been going through tough stuff. Um, but that's that's part of the process. Mm. You cannot go into something completely new and expect to know all about it. Mm. Um, people on... You asked me earlier on actually about what's my perception of other people's perception of me. Mm. I don't know if I really answer that. So people say, I know there are people going... Gavin Wall, he, he's dickhead. He thinks he's just walking into venture capital or the startup world. And he thinks he's Billy Big Balls, and he just walks in, and that's the way that he does stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, he's just pivot out of something else, and all he is, he's just a shopkeeper, right? I know because I I see their messages and um, what they say about me, etc. Um, but what they don't really know is that. That may be their perception of me, but that's not what I'm like. Mm. So I'm in, I'm listening to, so I'm listening to the less personal development stuff at the minute because mm. I'm listening to stuff about venture capital, about startups, podcasts, books, listening to the people that I go to. When John Napton talks down at Catalyst, I'm taking notes, mm-hmm. right? Because I know that I don't know it. Mm. I might be a wee bit of a peacock walking in, but trust me, underneath it, I'm flipping, taking the notes and trying to learn because I want to learn it. Sure. The people who are maybe throwing the darts at me or maybe the people who haven't had as much success as they think they should have had mm-hmm. because they're not prepared to do the work that I'm prepared to do. Sure. What's the most disappointing thing that could happen? Oh, jeez. Right, lose other people's money. 
it's okay. not easy. Okay. That's easy. Now I know in the investment world that's that happens, but that would be the number one um, mm. most disappointing thing sure. that could happen rather than venture capital mm. firm. That would be tough. My own money, that's fine. Mm-hmm. If I want to lose it or make a decision, that's mm-hmm. fine. No, I'm not planning on it, but sure. don't know if that's a good answer, but no, it's there. We've covered a lot of ground. We've covered a lot of ground. <laughs> So to simplify it down and, and I sort of come back again, fire in the belly for you in one or a few words, what do you perceive it to be? So the fire in the belly at the minute um, is, like I'm just locked. Do you know what? It's going to sound weak, but it's to create 10 billion of value in 10 years from a 10 million acorn. That, that's it. That's that's what I'm living outside of the family. Mm-hmm. That's just it, and it's every day. Are you getting a step closer to it? Mm. So some days, this is a slightly different journey for me this time because mm. I'm in a, a partnership with four people, but the person I work day and day mm. is Andrew. So on the partnership, there'll be days that maybe he's taking some hits and it's affecting him more. Or there'll be days that maybe it's the other way around. Mm. And every day, I just say we're one. Look, we're a day closer. We're day closer sure. to our outcome, so that that that's that's the goal, mm. um, and that's not ten billion for us. Mm. That's ten billion in value to the ecosystem. Mm. So they will be founders um, who might have gone with another VC and it was might have been mightn't have worked. Mm-hmm. We're making a difference to their lives, so we have to create ten companies that are worth mm. ten billion. Mm. Right, so that's lots of other people. So sure. when I say that, people might hear ten billion. He thinks he's going to be. That's yeah. not that's not about it. Yeah. If we create ten billion of value to the ecosystem, mm. you know, we don't have to worry about money. That's well yeah. down our pick and that's what we're trying to do, create that. Mm. Fair play. Gavin, it's been an absolute pleasure. Okay. Thank you very much. I'm sure, we've gone way over time there. <laughs> God knows what you took me to some places there. Um, I did say you did ask me at the start. Can I talk about anything? And um, you, you certainly got into a few wee nooks and crannies there um, that maybe I wasn't expecting. And that's quite a bit of self-reflecting. I hope it didn't bore anybody. But listen, I, everyone's journey is personal. Yeah, you know what floats your boat mm-hmm. different to mine, and vice yeah. versa, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. There's no right or wrong answers. Mm-hmm. And I, I, like you, I believe we are all capable of more than we could ever perceive. Oh, just You know, so here's to the future. Okay. Good, ma. Thank Thank you very much. much. Okay, folks. See you later. So there you have it, folks. The end of an absolutely epic two hours with the great man himself, Pete Launton, interviewing me for his Fire in the Belly podcast. And make sure you check Pete out. Now, it's over to you, folks. What you do with the content that you've heard in the last couple of hours over the last two weeks to use that in your own life is totally up to you. Whether you want to play it safe and stick with your 9 to 5 job, um, whether you want to just stay in your comfort zone, stay in your own lane, stay in your own fucking silo, or whether, like the speed mentor, you want to roll the dice on life. Because you know what? You only get one shot at it. You only get one shot. And as I said in the interview, I think a lot about what my legacy is. I think a lot about who's coming to my funeral. What are they thinking about me when I, when they come to the funeral? Will they come to the funeral? And if I don't roll the dice, if I don't try and create a legacy, if I don't attempt to create a billion 
of value, 10 billion of value if you've heard, as you've heard in relation to the change. If I don't at least attempt it, maybe I won't actually succeed. But if I don't at least attempt it, what was the whole point? What was the whole point? Because as I also said, I'm going to become a better father, a better husband, a better son. Those are baked in. I become better at those every single year. But I want to hit the moonshots. I want to go for stuff. I don't want to settle for what is expected of me. And in your own life, you have to think about that stuff too. So, if you're sitting there today, thinking, I'm comfortable, maybe I'll just stay in my lane. Maybe I'll retire at 57 like Gavin's dad did, and just coast it on out. Or maybe you'll say, fuck's sake, Gavin Wall, <laughs> that is some ride, and I would like to do something similar. And I hope to fuck you do, because that's why I do this fucking podcast every single week, week in, week out, to try and inspire you to be more, to roll the dice on life, and to give it your best shot. But whether you do or not, it's your choice. I'm a man on a mission. Yeah.